Kids safe, mother approved. You're listening to Voice America Kids. Stars could shine between the lines If you would let yourself go Find some place you know You can use your words, use your hands You can change the world, just pretend Express yourself, take a chance and you'll see It's time to express yourself, where teens talk and the world listens. Presented by Star Style Productions as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. You'll rock to an hour of adolescent fusion with your teen hosts and on-air reporters. Meet and chat with cool celebrities, exhilarating experts, and tenacious teens with subjects regarding anything and everything that you want to know. It's time to kick off the fun with our star teens. Welcome to Express Yourself. To be a lead, a leader, you must be a reader. Read, lead, succeed. That's the motto of the Be The Star You Are charity. Hello and welcome to Express Yourself, we're a program by, for, and with creative young people. A platform to give teens a voice right here on the Voice America Kids Network. I'm Asia Gonzalez, and today the theme for our show is the gift of reading. And I'm Zara Hosning. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions and brought to you as an outreach service of the Be The Star You Are charity. We are excited to announce the Be the Star you Are that Be The Star You Are has just been honored as a top nonprofit for the seventh consecutive year. Congratulations to all the volunteers and supporters because you are responsible for making BTSYA first class. Each week we bring you a stimulating, mind-bending, motivating program based on a chapter from our award-winning book, Be The Star You Are for Teens. Simple gifts for living, loving, laughing, learning, and leading. Today, Maria Wong, our book smart reporter, will discuss two books related to our theme for today, The Gift of Reading. Hey, Maria. Hi, Zara and Asia. I am so excited to talk about this week's theme, The Gift of Reading. As you may be able to tell from my title segment, The um, Book Smart, I love to read. Reading has given me so many opportunities from being a reporter on this station, being able to talk about books, to also being able to explore other worlds, gain an appreciation for literature, and also reinforce values from the books that I think are really important to me and what I find in other individuals. So I thought that today I would recommend a few of my all-time favorite books that contributed to my love of reading. So one of the first novels is my far by, like, my favorite book when I was a kid. It's called Kira Kira by Cynthia Katohata. Now, Kira Kira means glittering object in Japanese. And this is what Lynn would call her beloved younger sister, Katie. And this novel focuses mainly on this sister relationship between Katie and Lynn as they mature and struggle to assimilate to an all-white, um, very prejudiced town in Georgia. And they're usually left alone telling stories and entertaining themselves as their parents struggle to make ends meet, usually working very hard physical jobs, ranging from working at fish hatcheries all the way to defeathering chickens. Um, however, as Lynn grows older, she becomes sicker and sicker until she's finally diagnosed with a terminal, terminal liver problem. And as the illness goes on, Lynn becomes so weak that she's eventually bedridden. And this forces Katie to grow up a lot quicker than she wants to. Lynn is viewed sort of as the model sister. She's pretty, she's smart, gets all A's, and she's always there for the family. Katie, meanwhile, is sort of like a rebel. She's the middle child. She gets a lot of freedom to do whatever she wants. However, with Lynn's illness, as I said before, she's, she has to grow up a lot quicker and take care of her brother. 
And those is a very general outline of the book. I really think it gets the overall message across, which Katahata wanted to emphasize, which is the importance of family and being there for each other, as Lynn and Katie were, and Katie had to be for her younger brother, Sammy, and just the struggle of growing up, both emotionally and physically. And I also think, as a child, it really reinforced into me the ideas of loyalty and kindness and how important that is to maintain healthy relationships with other people. I also just really enjoy um, Katohata's writing style because it's really beautiful yet simple. It's easy enough for children to understand, I think, but I also reread Kira Kira just because I was curious on how I would view it now as a teenager. And it, I still understand it, and there's a lot more nuanced things that I realize now. And I think um, Katohata, her books, she has many books, like six or seven, and I think they would appeal to all children because they stretch out over all genres. She has science fiction to fantasy books, such as The Glass Mountains, which is a really cool novel about several tribes from extraterrestrial planets moving across due to um, supernatural storms. And there's also books about Asian Americans and their struggles to assimilate, specifically Japanese Americans, as Katohata is Japanese, such as Weed Flower, which focuses on a young girl in a Japanese internment camp. But overall, I just really enjoyed Katohata's novels as a child, and I think they really, once again, go back into um, shaping my moral standard. But um, now, as a teenager, one of my all-time favorite books, I think, is The Wrath in the Dawn by Renee Adier. Now, this novel is really cool. I think it has everything a teenager would want in a terrific novel. It has adventure, action, romance, science fiction, fantasy, and mystery. It's the author's rendition and retelling of A Thousand and One Nights. And I thought that was really cool because I think especially... um, We don't really get to learn a lot about famous Islamic works, especially in Western society. So that really attracted to me at first. And the storyline is just really interesting. It focuses on how every night the Caliph of Khorasan, um, his name is Khalid, marries a girl from his kingdom. However, every dawn the girl is found killed with a silk cord around her throat. And this has happened to about 100 girls by the time the novel starts. Everyone in the village is disgusted by the Caliph especially the main character, Sharzad, affectionately called Shazi. When her best friend falls victim to Khalid, Shazi takes action into her own hands, volunteering to marry Khalid um, in order to take revenge and kill him. However, she manages to stay alive and last the first morning by telling Khalid a very interesting story that ends right before um, the morning starts. So he has to wait every morning. And this happens for about a week. And over time, they begin to befriend each other, which is really interesting because at first, they really, really dislike each other. However, as they get to know each other better and soon start to fall in love, they realize that both of them aren't as bad as they seem to be. Um, Shazi is just a scared girl who can tell really good stories. And Khalid is not the monster who she thinks he is. He actually just has some really big secrets. 
And this is just one of the many stories that weaves together to create this novel. It also goes into um, Shazi's father's use of magic in sort of the supernatural world and what that entails. It also goes into Shazi's best friends, Jalal and Tariq, who hope to save her by going on horses and traveling the village. And there's always the constant use of sword fights, the rich and glamorous life of royalty, and political strategies along with actions. And when I read this book, um, it helped me really rekindle my passion in reading. As before that, I was reading a lot of young adult novels, but none of them were as fascinating or as interesting as this story was. And not only this, but I think the story also really helped, once again, reinforce the importance to me about loyalty and wit. Hmm. That's real. Those sound like really interesting stories, and I really want to read those now. Yeah. And, you know, each book had its own theme and its own, you know, setup. But were these books similar in any way? I would say they are. I mean, both of these books, as I stated before, um, they were integral parts in contributing to my love of reading. But they also, um, I think both of them really emphasize the importance of having loyalty to um, towards loved ones and family. And it also just in general, I think, helped reinforce what I value in other individuals, such as loyalty, kindness, wit, compassion. Mm. But Well, hmm, yeah, I don't know. That's like, I even just by like hearing about these books, I can tell that the those kinds of themes are really strong. But, you know, it seems like you have such a passion for reading. So what makes these two books more intriguing? What caused you to pick them? Like what's um, especially intriguing about the two books that you picked today? I think the fact, just like in any great novel, that you're able to immerse yourself in a world that you never will be able to in reality. It's only something you can do through reading. And I think that just shows how powerful reading is, the idea that you're able to be invested in these characters, in these people, in these settings, and be able to actually live it with them through reading it. And I think, um, especially with The Wrath and the Dawn, and not really having that much knowledge about like the Islamic Golden Age with like the book 1001 Nights, and all of that, I just thought it was really interesting reading about this village and all of like, sort of this like royal, political, like it's basically like um, House of Cards, but... Oh, sort of well. like that. So I thought that was really interesting. And then when I was younger and reading um, Kira Kira, I thought it was just really interesting just because I sort of identify myself with them as being Asian, not necessarily in the fact that um, I'm struggling to assimilate, but I just thought it was really interesting um, just reading about the sister relationship since I've never had a sister and just reading about sort of their family struggles at that time. Mm, that's That's nice. And, you know... With uh, it just feels like reading is starting to fizzle out. You know, reading you know physical books is also starting to fizzle out. But I don't know. For me, holding a book and just laying in bed and reading something that you enjoy just has this like relaxing feeling. Do you like because we now have um, Kindles and um, you know online eBooks? Do you prefer a printed book or do you like your eBooks better? I love both formats. I think, like, the ebook is really efficient, and I have some, like, you know, on my iPhone that I can read wherever I am. But yeah. I really do, at the end of the day, love having a printed book, something in my hand, something tangible that I'm able to read and keep and sort of, um, I like to annotate my books, you know, highlight them and just sort of analyze them. So 
yeah. I think it's really helpful to have a printed book. Yeah, I don't know. There's just something genuine about that feeling where you're just sitting there, you have a book in your hand, and you know it could be like on a rainy day or a day with the sunshine is just out. It's just it has that feeling that it gives you when you're just holding a book and you're just reading. Yeah, and I think that can go back to being like a child and your parents reading to you or being mm-hmm. able to have reading time in class. It sort of just brings back this feeling of nostalgia. But it's something that yeah. you can continue, and it continues to be, like, reshaped every time you read a new book. I find that to be, like, the best moment in school is when you get to have free reading time. Like, that was my favorite part during school. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> I love everything. That, that Which is really funny. But if you guys want more stories and encouraging chapters like these, uh, check out our award-winning book at Be The Star You Are for Teens. Uh, simple gifts for living, loving, laughing, learning, and leading. And Maria, good luck on your college college voyage in New York City. I'm sure you're having a blast with that. Uh, during the break, yeah. everyone, be sure to check out our brand new radio site, expressyourselfteenradio.com, for photos, descriptions, links, and more. I'm Asia Gonzalez. And I'm Zara Hassanin. Also, please visit our charity site at btsya.org and watch our fun and informative videos at youtube.com slash be the star you are. Stay right here with us as we continue our conversation with an inspirational guest on the topic of reading. You're listening to Voice America Kids, now with 33% more active ingredients and no artificial coloring. Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The Positive Message Outreach Program of Be The Star You Are Charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. Looking for a show about your favorite movies, stars, and DVD releases? Get ready for Kids First Coming Attractions on Voice America Kids Channel. Your hosts, the Kids First film critics, preview all the latest movies before they're released, interview stars on the red carpet, and share their reviews with you so you can make informed decisions about what you select to see. Our reporters, ages 7 to 16, will bring you a kid's perspective on these films. Kids First Coming Attractions is heard every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Kids. We don't care how you got here. We're just glad you showed up. You're listening to Voice America Kids. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Welcome back to our uplifting and inspiring program. I'm Asia Gonzalez, and you are listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids Network, brought to you by the Be The Starry Work charity. And I'm Zara Hosni. Today, our show is all about reading. And no matter what your interests, reading is a huge source of thought breeding. 
Joining us this week is Jeffrey Sign. Jeffrey Sign can often be found looking for interesting critters and magic while swimming, snorkeling, sailing, or hiking in the woods. His passion for nature and wildlife inspired his middle grade and tween urban fantasy, Whip Eye, book one of the Whip Eye Chronicles, and previously led to his nationally endorsed book, Green Essentials, What You Need to Know About the Environment, as well as his books, African Cats and Great Apes. Jeffrey has a degree in biology, assisted in field research with hummingbirds and humpback whales, and sailed as far away as Australia. With more than 20 years of experience working in special education, he has taught adults and children everything from sailing to self-awareness to novel writing. He won the 2015 International Book Award, an outstanding children's fiction for Whip Eye, and he lives in St. Paul. Thanks for joining us today, Jeffrey. Hey, it's great to be here, Asian Zara. I'm uh, very excited to be on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Yeah, we are excited to have you on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, um, you know, just reading off your list of accomplishments, it seems like you have such a, you know, diverse, like, list of passions. So what motivates you really as a writer? Um, that's kind of an interesting question because I think I always, you know, you always wonder why some, per- some people like to climb mountains and some people like to swim um, I've always loved stories. I used to go to the neighborhood library and come back with an armful of books every week in grade school. So stories have always been, always been a passion of mine. And then I think mixed with that, as I got older, um, the other passion that's huge that you read in my bio is nature and the environment. And those themes resonate in all my writing, whether it's fiction or nonfiction. Wow. Wow. That's pretty cool. So... You know, uh, with a lot of people who have a passion for writing, I'm sure this happens to everybody. How do you overcome writer's block or just a block in your thoughts and you just can't seem to get it into words? How do you overcome that? Um, So writer's block, I think, means different things to writers at different stages in their career. When Mm -hmm. I first started out, I did not know much about story. I did not know much about thematic elements plot character so then writer's block this this inability to kind of continue on with where you're at partly comes from lack of experience and the more you write the less that that's an issue um right now my problem is not writer's block but not having enough time to write (laughs) (laughs) yeah 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 we're all pretty hectic with our schedules lately yeah, definitely. And so, you know, we're talking about all, you know, experience really does give you that kind of power to overcome something like writer's block. So do you feel like you're a natural writer or did you train yourself and after experience you kind of became the kind of writer that you are today? Well, um, I actually have had always great skills with imagination. So I think that just came out of my love of story. My um, my handicap as a writer always was just basic grammar. <laughs> and, you know, not just, not just um, you know, where does the comma go and where does the, um, how, to, how to, like, uh, format a paragraph, but more about flow of writing. When you read good writing, there's no uh, pauses anywhere. The eye just kind of skims down the page because the seam, there's kind of a seamless flow on sentences. So I had to learn how to basically tame my imagination enough so that I could fit it into the structure of, grammar and writing and outline <laughs> that stuff yeah huh interesting uh and you know a lot of people feel like uh 
it takes a lot of training to be a writer and you kind of have to train yourself to pay attention to the inspiration that comes your way. Where do you get your inspiration from with your writing? Um, again, I probably go back to nature. You know, one of the coolest things I ever saw in my life was I was running through the woods. I was about 10 years old and I saw a piece of plywood on the ground and when I lifted that up, there was about 100 uh, garter snakes underneath. They were kind of swarming yeah. for uh, fall, you know, to to keep warm over the winter. Yeah. Um, so my inspiration comes from a deep commitment to nature and wildlife and this planet. And I kind of want to inspire readers, not just to enjoy a good story, but also think about their relationship with nature and wildlife and what they possibly could do about that and why it matters that we see that beauty. Um, in Whippy, you have a main character who's an animal nerd, and that was purposeful, purposeful on my part that this character uh, knows the scientific names of animals, she's in love with wildlife, she's in love with nature, and because of that, the reader then sees her journey and her reactions to the beauty around her, um, and I wanted that so that I think kids right now, I've got, I work with students all the time, they have a lot of screen time, you know, on videos, video games, TV, smartphones. They're not in nature very much. And nature also has these elements of, you know, it's yucky, it's too hot, it's sweaty, the bugs, etc. And I think because of the lack of time in nature and with people maybe who are in love with it, they don't see sometimes just the unbelievable beauty that's free, free of charge on the planet all over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it's so cool how you incorporate your love of nature into your writing as well. So can you tell us more about kind of like your love for animals, adventuring, and like more about your relationship with nature? Sure. Yeah, I, like I said, through, you know, so when I was a kid, I was running outside all the time in the woods, uh, spent a lot of time with wildlife. As I grew older, I've done uh, hiking in a lot of mountains. I'm a, a scuba diver. I've uh, dived with whales. I've dived with sharks. I've dived with whale sharks all kinds of fish. And then I uh, also have sailed all over the Caribbean and South Pacific. I can sail boats up to about 50 feet. And when I'm sailing, usually the destination are places where I can snorkel, where I can climb, where I can hike. Um, And, you know, one thing that was curious, um, I think there's also kind of a mythology that if we go someplace else, we're going to see something that we've never seen before. And there's truth to that because every place has a different element different elements of nature that are very beautiful but one thing that i learned while traveling is that actually beauty is everywhere you know the blue of the sky the green of vegetation uh animals birds singing that's all over the planet so you don't really you know if you're in a big city even you can find a tree or find a small park you don't have to go very far from home to find those things interesting that's that's really cool and i agree with what you're saying you know there's a lot of beauty everywhere and you know if you just look and pay attention and really soak up what your surroundings are. You can definitely see the beauty in everything. And uh, talking about your book, Whip Eye, how did you come up with the title for that? So my sister does a lot of, she sails with me. We talk a lot, and I was over at my parents' house, and she at the time I had working titles of uh, Jack and Jill and Methuselah Parrot, uh, mm-hmm. Saving Charlie, Saving the Methuselah Parrot. Charlie's a thousand-year-old Methuselah. African Congo gray parrot. Those parrots are actually endangered right now on the planet. Uh-huh. And uh, I, the title never felt right. And my sister said, you need a snappy one-word title. And mm-hmm. after being slightly annoyed with that comment for a little bit, I kind of agreed with her. And then about uh, two weeks later, I was watching a movie. 
And the word whip-eye, which was not in the movie, came into my head. And I had no clue what that meant. It sounded weird. I thought it was stupid. And, you know, a couple hours later, I thought, well, that's, it's interesting. And then a couple of days later, I was kind of in love with it. And I had to then recreate the backstory for what that term applied to, which is the supernatural staff uh, whip-eye that Samantha, the main character, has to kind of decode in book one to understand how she can save two worlds and also save this uh, cool. Charlie, this Methuselah parrot. So that's, you know, that's another process that the characters go through in my books uh, in the Whip Eye series is this whole process of trusting yourself, paying attention to intuition, asking questions, uh-huh. yeah. you know, and trusting yourself. And I think, you know, we're in a society now where everything is programmed, where kids are programmed, they're told to get the next game, get the next video. If you don't get that, you don't do this, you're not going to be happy, mm-hmm. you won't be fulfilled. Mm-hmm. And really, uh, in this Very journey that's... I'm sorry? Very materialistic. Yes, and in this journey that the characters go through in Whip-Eye, um, they're actually on this journey finding out that their happiness is internal and that also they need to trust themselves and find their own path instead of yeah. you know following somebody else's. And that's something I want readers to think about. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that seems like, you know, it seems like it has so many different morals, that, like the book has so many different morals that are, so pertinent, especially in today's world. Um, so what do you think are the most important themes in the th- series? Um, probably nature and wildlife. Um, there's those, you know, there's, there's different aspects of love because I think love is something that's also been, um, you know, applied sometimes to just love of family, love of the people, you know, and I think love has to have a broader definition for the whole planet and everyone on it and including mm-hmm. the wildlife on it. And so that, Word love has different interpretations in each book. In the first book that I wrote, it's Sam has to work out. She's grieving her mother's death, who died a year ago. She has to work out her love of her with her father and kind of that past issue of losing her mother. And then there's also this element of how much are you going to do if you're in love with wildlife and nature and the beauty of the planet? What is she willing to do to sacrifice um, possibly saving that in book two there's also some other there's a different expression of that of love and so those elements nature and wildlife and trusting yourself are the main themes that run throughout the whole series mm-hmm. interesting I like that you know um, I think those themes are important for uh, teen books because we need those kind of morals for the teen books that we're reading because we have so much, so many influences from other negative things that it's, it's mm. just, it's a good thing to have positive reinforcement. Yeah, and then right now there's a huge focus on dystopian. You know, you got Hunger Games, Maze Runner, the world has kind of imploded. Um, <laughs> yeah. nothing left. We've got desert and a few straggly people that are, you know, going to try and hurt you. And I would rather focus uh, readers on a more hopeful theme, which is that we can still save the beauty that we have in this planet. We don't have to go down that road to some kind of just total destruction where all that's left is kind of misery and survival. Yeah, exactly. I definitely, definitely agree with that. You know, because with Hunger Games, you know, there, there is some hope in those stories. Uh, But above all, the, the main layout is the world pretty much came to its knees and all that's left is survival. And yeah, go ahead. Sorry. 
Oh, and I'm just saying, like, your book and your series is like a, a breath of fresh air, really. Yeah, definitely. Hey, well, thank you. I appreciate totally that. I, yeah. I'm, I'm really in love. Now, when people tell me that they love animals, the first thing I ask usually is, what do you mean by that? Because usually, unfortunately today, what that means is I love my cat or my dog. And I want people to understand that, you know, the relationship that you have with wildlife can be just as deep. It is for me. And uh, I think people confuse sometimes that because a lion or a tiger or even a squirrel does not need to come up to you and ask for food like your dog or your cat or sit in your lap or be petted, that somehow that's a lesser relationship. I don't think it is. I, I'm totally in love with wildlife. And I, if you're sensitive to these creatures that are so beautiful and stunning, I always tell uh, kids in the schools when I'm doing presentations that no matter how inventive I am at creating amazing fantasy creatures, the most amazing creatures they will ever see are the beautiful wildlife on this planet. Exactly. Well, thank you so much, Jeffrey. Uh, unfortunately, we're out of time, but we will definitely talk more with you in our next segment about wildlife, beauty, and reading. We're really enjoying this conversation. And to learn more about Jeffrey's books, uh, go to the website www.jeffreygeoffreysign.net. Jeffreysign.net. I think you'll really love his books if you check them out. And support our show and these amazing segments by giving a donation to Be The Star You Are charity that brings you this program. For more info on how to do this, go to www.bethestarur.org and follow our blog. Again, that website is www.bethestarur.org. Also remember to visit our new radio site at expressyourselfteenradio.com. When we come back from break, we'll talk more with the amazing Jeffrey Syme. So don't go anywhere. Sometimes we may sound strange, but remember, we're just kids with opinions. You're listening to Voice America Kids. Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The positive message outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. Show the world your smile. Be the star you are. If you are ready to be inspired, energized, and edutained, you've come to the right place with our two life-changing programs at BeTheStarYouAreRadio.com. Live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's our lifestyle show, Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with hosts Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. On Tuesdays at noon Pacific, teens talk and the world listens on Express Yourself Teen Radio on Voice America Kids. Come play with us at BeTheStarYouAreRadio.com. We didn't invent Kid Talk, we perfected it, and at a very young age. You're listening to Voice America Kids. You're listening to Express Yourself. 
on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Thank you for staying with us here at Voice America Kids. Our program is Express Yourself, giving youth across the world a voice to be listened to. Today's topic is the gift of reading. I'm Asia Gonzalez. And I'm Zara Hassane. In this segment, we'll be continuing our awesome discussion with Jeffrey Sign, author of Whip Eye, a story about love, nature, wildlife, intuition, and trusting yourself. So, Jeffrey, in the last um, segment, we were talking about kind of your love of nature. So why do you think, you know, that it is so important to have a relationship with nature um, as opposed to just, you know, kind of having human relationships and stuff like that? Well, okay, so... When people usually talk of beauty, unless they're totally caught up in going to Walmart or Target or someplace and looking at goods that humans produce, they're always talking about sunsets, sunrises, trees, a bird that's singing, animals. So there's an innate connection that we all have to nature. I think we've kind of forgotten that uh, with the technology. We've kind of gotten overwhelmed and awed by our own technology and forgotten that um, there's so much beauty out there. Jacques Cousteau, one of the last essays that he wrote is that he feared that the internet would uh, bring the computer to everyone in the classroom, but that few people would go out to see the mountain themselves. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the things that I did in the books is I uh, mentioned 100 species of wildlife in each book, different wildlife, to get kids to look at what's out there and explore and think about all the different animals on this planet. I would really love, you know, Michelle Obama did a great job of bringing healthy food into schools. And uh, I would really love her or someone like her at that na- at that level to start a nat- uh, national nature program in schools to get kids in nature on a routine basis. Uh, right now in the U.S., 11% of kids consistently spend time in nature. A recent poll in the United Kingdom said that three-quarters of the kids there spend less time in nature than prison inmates. So that's, wow. that's not very much. Yeah, so it's very discouraging. So I think, you know, as an educator... Uh, there's huge value for kids to be outside. It spurs creativity in the brain that's well-researched. It reduces stress. It increases exercise. We have such a huge, uh, it, you know, issues right now with kids being overweight, having diabetes. These are all things that should just go away, really, if we're living intelligently. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think we need more of that in our lives, you know. Uh, just today, I was uh, working on the radio show, and I was put on a few a few tweaks with it, and I decided, you know, I'm going to take my dog outside with me in the front yard, and we're just going to sit in the grass and enjoy the sunshine. And that was so nice to be able to feel, especially since we've had snow for so long here in Colorado. But it was just really nice to get out and feel the sunshine and just sit in the grass and enjoy the weather. Yeah, and it's. I think nature has to be that simple. You go out, you, you climb a tree if you're a kid. I used to do that. You go yeah. out, you hike. You, walk, you listen to the birds, you watch the clouds, and I think that instills in you a sense of peace and calm. They know now that the brain actually calms down, even if it's just seeing a tree outside a window. It calms the brain down and de-stresses the brain in a way that our technology cannot. And research, uh, I work in special education, so we do, do a lot of brain-based 
research uh, information and studies and research is showing that technology tends to amp up the brain and cause stress. It does not de-stress the brain. So that's something that parents should very be aware of that, you know, time in nature for the kids is very, very healthy. Yeah, that definitely makes sense too, because, you know, even in school, you always hear kids, it's like a kind of just like a running thing. They always say, oh, let's have class outside. Let's have class outside. And everyone, you know, a lot of teachers just kind of like write that off as like a silly thing to suggest. But I think it's actually really important to kind of expose kids to the outdoors at a young age and even at an older age, because, you know, it's not like once you get into high school, all your passion for the outdoors is like suddenly gone. All your energy is gone, too. Mm you still really need to be exposed to that. And I think it definitely helps when it is like a different outlet for learning and it's a really helpful outlet as well. Mm -hmm. And it's what's really funny is we were talking earlier uh, in the previous segment about the dystopian books. And uh, there was a book that we were reading and um, I can't believe I just forgot what it was called. But uh, it was... Maze Runner? No, it's it's an older, older book. Okay, Go ahead, sure. If you guys can think of the title. <laughs> right. no. um, uh, and my English teacher, whenever we had to read a chapter, he would always encourage us to go outside. And I thought that was just awesome because we're reading about this dystopian future, about, you know, everything just being recreated. You know, uh, humans are no longer born. They're made in a bottle, pretty much. Oh, like Brave New World? Is Brave that New it? World. That's yeah. what we're like. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. That's what we were taught. That's what we were reading, and you know, he would encourage us to go outside into the really nice weather and read, which was awesome instead of just being stuck inside the classroom. Yeah, that's a great that's a great story, and I think kids, um, if they were outside, they would start to appreciate the beauty that's out there. There are things that are discomforting. Sometimes there's mosquitoes or yeah. flies, or there's yeah. you know there's poison ivy, etc. But I think if kids learn about all that stuff and understand how to be around nature and not go through any <laughs> great misery, they would yeah. fall all the aspects of it. It's a balance that you yeah, yeah start to understand. Well, you know, human beings, there's there's definitely, you know, it seems like we will be able to survive. We, we could destroy all the rainforests and all this stuff, and we would maybe create bubbles and grow our food inside these bubbles. But mm-hmm. who wants that world? You know, if you yeah. go into some of the major cities right now, um, there's concrete, there's cement, and there's buildings. And it's it's almost like a desert for, grow, you know, for things that are alive. And we I think we need to really think about how we create our cities, how we create our uh, traffic areas, everything to include always more nature and especially now with global warming and some of the issues that we're facing, it's critical Mm -hmm. that uh, we really think hard about how we want to live on the planet. Exactly. Yeah, I think it's so easy to just kind of take natural resources and just the natural world for granted when there is, you know, as we were talking about in like previous segments, just so many materials and so much consumerism and like, you know, you always want the new thing. Like that's so drilled into our minds that sometimes we forget the simple pleasures of nature. That's exactly right. And then the other side of that is that we have so little information about the wildlife on this planet. Uh, Last couple of years, they discovered that, that crows are as intelligent, if not more so, than chimpanzees. Uh, we oh, still wow. don't understand uh, what whales are doing when they're singing to each other. Mm-hmm. So we have so, li- uh, so little information about what we're losing on this planet. 
And uh, I think just the fact that wildlife and animals have so much to offer us if we would just take the time to look. Exactly. I definitely agree with that. And you uh, have on your bio, and we were looking at everything that you've done, that you worked uh, with whales and uh, did some some work with them. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, I worked for a while. I was in a master's program for statistics and population biology. I was on a 144-foot, uh, three-masted barkentine out in the Atlantic in Boston Harbor, and we uh, watched humpback whales. We were tracking them. Uh, humpback whales, if you look at the uh, bottom of their flukes, they're all, it's just like a fingerprint. They're all individuals. They can be tracked very easily. So they cool. take photographs of these flukes and they track them up and down the coast. All whales have different areas of their body that can be tracked like that. And so it makes it very easy to monitor populations and see if, you know, the whale named Fred, you know, swam 2,000 miles or stuck around in an area for three months or whatever. So that uh, kind of rekindled my uh, interest in wildlife and nature and also sailing at the time. I was thinking I was in a master's program and I, I get a little bit disenchanted with statistics because um, really at the time I was thinking I wanted to save whales and all that kind of stuff. And I realized it the formula for saving everything on this planet is very, very simple. It's you don't destroy habitat and you don't uh, hunt the animals to extinction. <laughs> so there, yeah, it doesn't take exactly. a lot of science. The, the science is getting more critical because we have fewer animals, and then they have to look at the genetic pool and all that kind of stuff. But really at the base level, um, everybody can participate in the simple knowledge that if we mm-hmm. protect habitat, no matter where it is, or create it, we're going to help wildlife. Yeah, I think it's so cool that you got to study you know, whales and biology on such a high level, yet you can kind of summarize the problem and how to solve the problem so simply. So, you know, it does seem like you really love biology, really love wildlife and stuff. So how did you make the decision instead of to be like a full-time biologist or something, how did you um, make the decision to become a writer? Um, I think when I I ended up leaving the master's program and I got a job in residential treatment with kids who had gone through abuse and became kind of a resident counselor. And when I did that, I got involved with writing, and long story short, five years later, and after going through some agents, I ended up going to the South Pacific for a year and a half, and I just kind of, at one point, I just asked myself if I wanted to do something um, that would be the greatest dream I could have at the time, what would it be? And it was just go to the South Pacific and sail and snorkel and hike and just enjoy the beauty out there. Um I just, I feel as a writer, I'm more fulfilled. I love writing and I can talk about all these themes. I, you know, wrote that 528-page environmental book. I have another environmental book proposal out with that publisher. I have a book on stress reduction. So I'm kind of in a lot of areas, but most of these areas basically involve health of the planet, health of the individual. I teach a self-awareness class and we focus on happiness models, stress reduction techniques, Uh, positive psychology, all that kind of stuff. It's all research-based. But it really is connected because if we're not healthy as human beings, we're probably not going to have healthy relationships with nature. And so uh, I kind of like that whole paradigm of pursuing uh, health in all my writing. Oh, interesting. So, um, you know, you've written some uh, environmental books and you've written books about uh, apes and other animals and you've written your Whip-Eye series. What else are you working on? Anything interesting? 
Yeah, I have a, I have a, actually a YA a young adult epic fantasy series that I'm going to probably start putting out end of the summer, and I also have some lower middle grade books that also have some environmental themes. One thing that I like is that I've been able to incorporate these themes into my writing without being preachy about them or without you know boring the reader with information dumps. So it's all the books that I write are kind of fast-paced thrillers at some level. Uh, and they're aimed at reluctant readers. I think a lot of kids get reluctant as readers if they're not very good at it because stories are, you know, often sometimes they just require, require a lot of pages before you get to something that's interesting. So I kind of pride myself mm. in moving stories very quickly, but it's these so themes that I think definitely. are so important in our lives. Yeah. Well, well thank you. Too, yes. Yeah, thank you so much for the wonderful discussion. You know, we really believe in conserving our planet and enjoying nature. So thank you for your interest in writing and everything that you've been doing. And to learn more about Jeffrey's books, go to his website at www.jeffreysign, that's G-E-O-F-F-R-E-Y-S-A-I-G-N.net. And you'll see his information there. And I definitely recommend looking into his books. I'm Asia Gonzalez. And I'm Zara Hosnick. Don't forget to check out our newly refurbished website. We'll think, we think you'll love it. When we come back, we will continue our inspiring conversation on reading. Stay with us for more empowerment, entertainment, and more insight on the need to read. The longer you listen, the later it gets. You're listening to Voice America Kids. Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The positive message outreach program of Be The Star You Are Charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. Have you heard your 15 minutes of fame? How about four times that every single week? It's the fame game. Listen as Maddie Rose, who is up and coming in the world of fame, brings you fame from all walks of life. You'll hear from doctors, teachers, mentors, life heroes, as well as those in the fields of acting, movies, music, and more. Who knows? You might be the next one Maddie Rose talks to on the air. Listen for the fame game every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Kids Channel. We don't care how you got here. We're just glad you showed up. You're listening to Voice America Kids. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Welcome back. Thanks for staying with us here at Voice America Kids. I'm Zara, and our program is Express Yourself. Today, the theme for our show is the gift of reading. And I'm Asia Gonzalez. For this segment, we have our Aim to Shoot reporter, Katie Chu, here to tell us about how a love of reading can lead to a wealth of job opportunities. Hi, Katie. Hi. So, 
a lot of people love to read, but a lot of people also forgot their love for reading in the midst of school. So the theme of today's show is the gift of reading. And that may not seem to have much to do with my topic, careers, because in many cases, just reading can't earn you money. But reading can definitely be a contributing factor to your career. So I myself wasn't necessarily an enthusiastic reader, but my nine-year-old brother, boy, he reads like 500-page books every day, finishing them within hours. At first, I didn't think much of it. Then one day, he asked me to proofread his fictional story for school. And it was just full of figurative language. All the skills, all the phrases, the words that you would find in a best-selling mystery novel. To be honest, I was completely surprised. And when I asked him, he said he never learned the words, didn't necessarily know which one it, each word like exactly meant, but he knew the general definition of the phrases from context from all the books he had read. So reading may not seem like much of a necessity, but it can actually be a huge benefit to you. So in reality, say you really do love reading. What can you really do? What occupations are available that you can enjoy as a bookworm? Well, there are some jobs that directly involve books and reading, while others are somewhat related. So when talking about reading and books, for a lot of us, the first job that may come to mind is a librarian. And without a doubt, most people have looked to their local librarian for help at one point in their lives to find a book or for book recommendations. Now, librarians should know a lot about books and must have read various forms of literature to be able to recommend such reads. And for individuals who really have read hundreds of books, becoming a librarian is a completely reasonable occupation. As of right now, librarians in the United States can expect to earn an average of 48000 annually. Job satisfaction is relatively high, and fringe benefits are generally rewarded. Another possibility is building an independent bookstore or becoming an employee at a company that deals with books. Both these occupations would somewhat combine books and business. Although more and more books are beginning to become digital, there are plenty of people who still prefer the original hardcover copies, like myself. As the owner of an independent bookstore, you would be able to incorporate your love for reading into business. By becoming an employee at a bookstore company, such as Goodreads, you would be able to recommend great reads to customers or directly work with books in other ways. Often, people who really love reading will come to enjoy writing as well. This isn't a given as there are many people who love reading but do not necessarily enjoy writing. But someone who loves reading has the potential to become an author. Reading and writing are directly correlated. My brother's writing improved tenfold after he began reading more complex books. So if you truly want to write and have the confidence to succeed, you can definitely become an author. And let's say you don't want to necessarily become an author, but you want to but you don't want to be an employee for at a book company or librarian either. Then you can become an agent for authors. And by the word agent, I'm referring to the variety of occupations that are associated with authors, such as editors, publishers, literary agents, You can become an editor or publisher for novels or newspapers or magazines or media. It's your choice. As an editor or publisher, you would play a crucial role in refining and preparing literature or other content for outside consumption. For editors, the average salary is around 48,000. And for publishers, the average salary can vary between 90,000 and over 100,000, depending on the type of content. 
And last but not least, you can always choose to become an English professor. You can continue to study and analyze literature while discussing your favorite topic, reading, with students. You may even be introduced to new perspectives of your favorite books. I'm no expert, so I'm sure there are many other jobs that involve reading or writing that I haven't covered. In fact, I may have only covered a tiny portion of a much larger range of possibilities. But these are some of the most common or most recognized occupations related to reading today. Of course, just because you love reading doesn't mean that you need to pursue it as an occupation. You can just read for fun as a hobby. Many people who work in fields absolutely unrelated to reading just read at home for entertainment. It's completely normal. But whether you prefer it as a hobby or one you, you want to prefer it further in life, when you have some free time, it usually can't hurt to read. That's awesome. And I, as a, per, as a person who loves to read, you know, I never really thought of the different uh, occupations that I could get. You know, of course, you know, there's librarian or somebody who could um, publish books. And it's interesting to see how reading can be incorporated into your daily life. And uh, I definitely encourage reading, you know, every day. You know, I used to do it a lot more often than I do now. You know, and fortunately, I'm just so busy that it's really hard to just find the time and just sit and read a book. But, you know, the more that mm-hmm. I think about it, I really want to find that time because I definitely it really will help you, especially with your diction. It'll help you with your imagination. Yeah, yeah. and it helps you with a lot of things. So I wish I had, I can read more now. Do you wish you had read more in the past years? Yeah, I definitely do. I mean, I when I was younger, I used to read lots of books, you know, like those fiction books and everything that everyone else would read and you'd be able to talk about it with everyone. And it would just sort of be for fun, like, you know, re- watching a TV show or watching a video. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure if I started reading for fun again, I would like find that I still like it. But, you know, as I got busier, reading like for you got lower and lower on my list of priorities. And I don't quite have the time to just sit and read for a couple hours. And I think that as teachers began assigning reading as homework, I sort of developed the thinking that all books, including the school curriculum, aren't like bad. And this sort of misconceived idea sort of spread to the general idea of reading in my head. And I've mm-hmm. forgotten how enjoyable reading can be. In fact, I was talking about it with a couple of my friends the other day about the books that we had read over summer or during school as homework. And we talked about it and realized that it really wasn't that bad. Those books were pretty great. And it was interesting to talk about it, too. That's cool. Yeah, I think it's definitely kind of a balancing game almost with reading, because sometimes I think of like being an English teacher. It's like, how do you know, you know, how many books to assign in one given year, you know, how, like, what kind of books to assign, or, you know, you don't want to put kids off from reading, but you also don't want to make them only read, like, one book in the year, so then they don't, like, you know, build their reading skills and stuff, so it's really hard to kind of find that balance between, um, like, getting people to read and um, kind of dissuading them from reading, so what are some other activities you can do to make yourself a more enthusiastic reader, or if you are already an enthusiastic reader, what are some things you can do to keep that enthusiasm this doesn't necessarily apply to all but a lot of readers also enjoy blogging which is something that people can do easily do at home so they'll blog about their reading or other topics and you can also review the books that you have read because a lot of websites like to get some input from readers who have read those books and a lot of people do look for 
people who can offer an idea on what the book's about or whether it's a good read. Or you can do volunteer work that involves books or reading because there are plenty of people out there who love listening to books or want that information. That's really cool. And, uh, you know, we were, you were talking about uh, how you can enter the occupational field. Uh, that has to do with reading. You could be a librarian. You could be a, an agent and uh, just all these different kind of things. But how do you enter the occupational field of literature reading? How do you begin to do that? Well, you would definitely want to major in literature, of course, and degree (laughs) programs in reading and literacy are available in most colleges. And participating in these programs would, of course, be ideal. And to first get used to the field, you may want to work for a local newspaper or bookstore, even if just a smaller job or a smaller um, position. But it can help you sort of introduce you to what's editing and what's publishing and all those sorts of things. And then if you want to do something more active or more involved with analyzing or critiquing literature, you can definitely use your experience in the local newspaper or bookstore to apply for a different, more complex job. Oh, that's interesting. So, you know, we're talking about, oh, like, you know, analyzing and critiquing literature and stuff, which is like a lot of the, you know, stuff you have to do in school for when you read and when you write and stuff. Um, But, you know, for like more creative writers, are there like jobs besides like author that maybe those people could look forward to and pursue? So like I said, there I only covered a couple of them and other jobs are related to reading but sort of go off that scale. Sort of literary agent would be more directly connected, but archivist or reporter, those kind of people still have a connection with reading but sort of do something more with that. Mm. Mm. So, you know, what job outlooks, uh, what are the job outlooks for these professions? And, you know, what are some qualifications that people, that people need and um, just those things in general? So, for the job outlooks, the demand for editors and publishers are expected to either decline or have no change. And employers that work with non-digital books are predicted to decline as more and more ebooks become available. Because these days, since technology is becoming so widespread and so commonly used, nearly all books are becoming ebooks or online, and people generally don't have the time or don't feel like going outside to a bookstore to buy something. I mean, they're still available because there are a lot of people who really do prefer the hard copies but yeah generally even teachers are like okay you can use your phone or your ipad to look at a book during school and they're completely fine with it because a lot of people just prefer to do that but the demand for technical writers or writers with expertise in scientific or political fields are expected to increase because like i said reading is incorporated into a lot of things like with reporters, it's not directly connected, but it's really everywhere. So, you know, with those kind of fields, do you think that the qualifications are, you know, definitely love for reading or love for writing? But do you think that um, qualifications yeah, the qualifications could be like a are stuff? higher for some? I yeah, I definitely do. Mm-hmm. Well, but, well, thank you so much, Katie. Um, sadly, we have no more time, but that was an extremely informative segment, and I think you know just opened. Mm-hmm. A lot of opportunities that I didn't even know existed. Um, so, yeah. yeah, thank you to Star Style Productions, Cynthia Bryan, Be the Star You Are, and our Voice America Kids crew, especially our engineer, Matt. Thanks to our guests and reporters from across the world. And thank you, our listeners, for making us a top-rated program. I'm Zara Hassanin. 
And I'm Asia Gonzalez. You have been listening to Express Yourself and On Air Global Community, where teens talk and the world listens. For info on our creative community, go to www.btsya.org. Until next week, remember, be kind, be a reader, and be here. Speak up, speak out, and express yourself. Thanks for joining us this week on Express Yourself. Produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, be sure to visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern, when teens talk and the world listens on the Voice America Kids channel. Until then, remember to express yourself. Stars that shine between the lines If you would let yourself